Hi, this is Matt Stagliano, and thanks for being part of the Artist Forge. We're a community of creatives who help each other think like an artist by discussing creativity as a process instead of a skill or a talent. We believe everyone has what it takes to create something amazing, we just need some encouragement and inspiration along the way. What you're about to hear is a live recording of one of our daily discussions on the Clubhouse app. If you like what you hear, I encourage you to join our private Facebook group or visit us on the web at theartistforge.com. Now on to the show. Welcome everyone to Morning Walk and Talk with the Artist Forge. I see we've got so many friends with us already this morning. I hope the rest of your day yesterday was incredible and you went off to do amazing things and I hope you're up and at them and feeling bright and sparky this morning as we finish this week's conversation about money. I gotta say guys, it's been a really incredible week with so much good insight and advice into this issue that seems to be a real trouble spot for so many artists and art-related entrepreneurs, partly, probably, because of how closely our, our heart is tied to our work. And for many of us as creatives, the business side, the money side can feel just completely foreign and like a world we don't really want to live in. But if we're going to make careers out of making art, we better figure it out. And so this week was really fantastic in exposing a lot of the limiting beliefs that we've had around money, our internal monologues, the things that we say when we find ourselves in situations with money, and also some of the steps that we can take in moving forward. So today is gonna to kind of close things up, but I have a framework for us that we're going to follow so we can be really well prepared for starting the business conversation next week. And here is basically what that's gonna look like. So we're gonna talk about first defining what a healthy relationship with money looks like for us. So we've talked about those limiting beliefs, that internal monologue. So what is the other side of that? What does a healthy relationship actually look like for you? How can you put goals in place? We need to make sure we get educated. We're gonna talk about scheduling money dates. So basically putting it in your calendar, setting aside the time, not going, well, when I have a spare chance, I'll sit down because you know that chance is never gonna come. So we have to put that in our calendar the same way we would any other kind of appointment. We wanna talk about putting together a framework, even if it's a really simple one, where the normal way that we relate to money can be kind of um, built on some scaffolding, right? And then finally, we'll talk about, um, and now this part of it will be quick, but we can talk about automating parts of that framework so that we don't necessarily have to touch them or worry about them. You can do things like automating certain percentage of each paycheck to go into your savings, right? So some really simple things we can talk about there. But first, and most importantly, I think we need to delineate what a healthy relationship with money looks like for us. And obviously, this is going to be a little bit different for each of us, even though there's going to be some common threads. Um, probably most people would say that you know, certain aspects of this relationship will be common all across the board. But we're not going to figure those out until we start talking about them. So 
I would love to hear from our friends who are here already this morning. What does a healthy relationship with money look like in your mind? Like what parts of your relationship with money would you say are healthy? And are those things other people can latch on to when they're figuring out how to continue moving forward with their money relationship well? If you're in the audience this morning and you have a healthy relationship with money or you think you have healthy aspects of your relationship with money that you'd like to share, please go ahead and feel free to raise your hand. Matt, Becca, Bassam, do any of you guys have any healthy parts of the relationship with money that you'd like to share? I think kind of, I came to a breakthrough at some point and I can't put a finger on exactly what made this happen except for you know time and tenacity but um not obsessing over money um because I I know there there were points where I was thinking about it all the time all the time and you know how much I was saving and how much I was making and you know just it was obsessive it was obsessive and I felt like that was like important because it was like me being financially smart but really it was kind of unhealthy and distracting so like getting to the point where I could let go of the constant thinking about money um not constantly checking the bank not constantly looking at every cent um that moved me into a lot healthier space Ooh, that makes a lot of sense and as you said it I immediately was kind of like yeah that's a pretty big one, um, particularly for those of us who are really fighting to get businesses off the ground. It can feel like that is the only important part of our world. Um, and it's a, definitely a constant struggle not to be monitoring your income and your output like multiple times every day. And then <laughs> why do we keep checking our bank account? Like, is it still there? Is there any more in there? <laughs> um, how did everything change? Like, man, it's like waiting for watching bread to rise. It's kind of torturous. Um, and amazingly, focusing on it that way just makes every small problem seem like it's 40 times bigger than it really is, I feel like. No, I'm in a, I'm so in you're a, not exactly sure what kind Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I'm, I'm in the opposite camp where I need to look at it every day. I need to monitor every cent because that gives me a feeling of control um, and not just hoping and wishing it's going to be there. Now I'm doing that in the hopes of fostering that healthy relationship, right? Really understanding where my money is, where it goes, understanding how it's being spent. I, I believe that, you know, I'm never going to be without money. I'm always going to make it somehow because history has proven that I always make the money to pay my mortgage or my rent or whatnot. So I've gotten rid of those beliefs where I'm never going to have enough, a lot of that scarcity mindset. But I do really want to create this positive relationship where I can know exactly what I have, where it is, what accounts it's in, how it's being used, how it's being worked and and put that money to work for me, but I need to monitor that for my own well-being. You know what I mean? It's not an obsessive like, oh my God, I'm never gonna have this. It's more, 
okay, now I see where it's going. Here's what I need to do. Here's how I'm sticking to my budget, so on and so forth. But for me, the way my personality type works, I need to look at every cent every day. Right. So it's interesting that you say that, Matt, because it, it kind of reminds me of what David was talking about yesterday about relationships and the fact that I think we can actually draw a really great parallel with both what Becca said and you said and a relationship. Like there's a, there's a difference between continuing to make those efforts to foster that healthy relationship, to pay attention to it and to be aware of it. But there's a difference between that and obsessing over the relationship, right? Like worrying every single time. Do they still love me? Do they still love me? Are they going to do the thing? Like, are they going to leave? Like, um, is everything okay with us? Like, I feel like there's that really great kind of dividing line where what you're doing is really like paying attention and trying to understand and making sure that you're like there and present versus I'm assuming, Becca, what you're talking about, which is the stress of like, is it still there? Is there going to be enough? Has, it, has anything changed? Oh my God, right? Yeah, totally. And I mean, like, I definitely agree with Matt that like having a good idea of what is going on, even on a daily basis is super important. And um, like, I, this is a personal thing for me, but I'm really, really good at remembering numbers. Uh, it's like one of those abstract superpowers. So I can remember <laughs> what my in and out with money is um, in my head really well. But it's, again, that that obsessive feeling, letting it control actions, like, you know, any casual purchase, you know, any activity or, you know, anything like obsessing over the cost and digging down into like the minutia down to the scent of like, well, is this okay if I spend 61 cents and 30 instead of 31 cents, you know, that kind of obsession. Yeah, for sure. And it's really interesting to have you guys kind of share that right after one another, because I feel like it's a really good example of kind of both sides of what that relationship looks like when you're leaning into it, like David was mentioning, and and um, and being there and being present versus when it's controlling you. And so I think that's definitely a fantastic example. People can probably look at the difference in their own lives and go, okay, so here when I think what I'm doing is being smart, what I'm actually doing is allowing this fear and this discomfort in my relationship with money to control my actions rather than leaning in and taking control of the relationship um, and like being present for it. So I think that's a really interesting like dichotomy and it's fantastic, Becca, you were able to get past that um, obsessive part of it. Do you, you said you weren't really sure kind of what like brought that change. Yeah. Um, I think just like, again, just kind of grit. And I know this is something, something I struggle to explain because I spend a lot of time like in general, just like sometimes there's things I'm not comfortable with and I don't want to do and they're hard and they suck and I just have to do it anyway. Um, and if I, once I figure out how to explain that in a way uh, that's better, um, I will let you know. But uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it came with practice. It came with embarrassing myself, even around other people with those kind of obsessive feelings or, you know, missing out on opportunities because I was too worried about the cost. Um, and again, knowing that time is a finite resource and money is not. And that was the big revelation there to help me kind of move forward. I don't know. I can't give you a date, but that was, that was the eventual epiphany. Ooh, say that one more time. <laughs> time 
is a finite resource. Money is not. Take a deep breath on that one because I feel like that's something we really have to keep in the front of our minds. Um, because we will often sacrifice copious amounts of time for not much money under this impression that somehow that's going to weight the scales in our favor when we're losing finite resources and gaining malleable, flexible, liquid resources that are just going to kind of come and go with the tide. That may not be the, re the best uh, exchange for us to make. So I really hope we're paying attention to that one. Just in case you're only now arriving this morning, we are talking about how we begin to move forward, some steps that we can take on this journey in our relationship with money to have a healthy relationship and asking ourselves, now that we have discovered some of the limiting beliefs that we have, what does a healthy relationship look like? And we've talked about the difference between obsessing over the money versus having a close intimate relationship with our accounts, right? Being able to know what's coming in, what's going out, paying attention to those things, but not letting those things control everything we do to the point of obsession. So that's a really fantastic example. Um, Kat, do you have any good examples or Basam, do you have any good examples of what for you a healthy relationship with money looks like? Man, that's such a big question. Um, yeah, let me ruminate on that for a minute. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm struggling too because I can flip between the same thing being healthy and unhealthy. So I'm trying to uh, think about that. But I think I mentioned it yesterday that my what I would call a healthy relationship with money for me is is what Becca said is is money is not a finite thing, and I've always I've never worried about. Um, money coming in somehow. Obviously, I had a very good job and, and, and there's stability there. Uh, but even then, because we, we kind of grow to fit within whatever money we make in terms of we, you know, in general, I, I always spend slightly more than I make, right? Uh, but I never worried about, for example, being in debt or having to take out a loan because I know that at some point I'm going to compensate for it somehow. And it's always happened. So I have that and it, it continues to happen now. I mean, I mean right now I'm a little bit... Uh, uh, complacent in a way because I do have an income coming in from a pension but I do need more money and I want more money I want to do more and I don't sweat I don't fret about it somehow things happen and I and a big injection of money comes in through my consulting or whatever it is and uh, to me that's healthy because I like I don't hope I don't worry about it it's not something that I carry it's not a burden that I walk with every day um, Am I taking a chance? Is, is it somehow not going to happen one day? Maybe. Uh, but I still have confidence that if that does happen, I can turn around and find a way to make money. I think the, the healthiest relationship that I can have with money is staying in the space where I'm able to honor it as simply a an energy instead of this thing. For years, it was always this thing I was chasing um, and I was not in a healthy relationship with it. Like I was running up credit card debt and because it was like, oh, I want 
and kind of the same thing that Basam was saying, like, I know that <clears throat> inevitably, like, I will somehow generate whatever to meet that obligation. Uh, but at the same time, I wasn't doing that. Like, that money was available to me from an expensive outside source, right? Like, 24% credit card interest and da 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 da, da. Uh, And it wasn't until I started just treating money itself as an energetic entity that I was allowed to be in a relationship with it instead of using it solely as a tool. Uh, and now I can look at that and be in partnership with money instead of like trying to hold it or control it. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, just a few moments ago, we were kind of likening this relationship we have with money to a marriage playing on the analogy that David made yesterday. And there's a difference in the way that you would treat your partner in a relationship if you are constantly in the fear of losing them and constantly having to chase after them versus recognizing that they choose to be there with you. And even though money doesn't exactly have a choice, right? It's kind of being a, um, I always kind of imagine me being the gate in a, in like a waterway system. So I can kind of open and spill money into different areas or I can close. Um, and that's kind of the mental picture that always pops into my head when I think about like money as, as you were saying, kind of like an energetic source instead of just, um, a goal that you get and then it disappears or, you know, whatever else, these kind of weird mental images that I have of money definitely changes when you think of yourself as a vessel for it to flow through. Um, and of course you can change the size of the vessel and all that good stuff, but it, it, it's a difference between that and trying to catch rain with your bare hands, you know? Ooh, catch rain with your bare hands. I mean, that's kind of what it feels like, right? Like when you're in that place where you feel like you're constantly having to chase money, you're grabbing and you're grabbing as this rain is falling from the sky and your hands get wet, but they never get full. And when you change and become a bucket instead, you can get full and then you overflow. And then that, that money goes to other places as well. And it's not just you that's getting full. You can fill up other things also. And the, just the whole tone of the relationship changes. So I think it's a really fantastic way to view that um, and a really healthy way to view that instead of the grasping and grabbing and never being able to fill your hands up. Well, and when we're, when we're chasing money, we've created sort of a wall between us and the purpose, right? Like what is the purpose of said money, right? And instead of like realizing that that money is simply there to allow us to live our lives in the way that, that we are designing, right? We've made money the goal instead of the goal itself. Uh, and that's when things start. That's when the rain just slips through. Yes. And you just said exactly what I was going to follow that up with. So I'm so glad that you said it because we don't actually want money. I mean, we're making the mistake of thinking that what we want is money when what we really want is freedom or security um, or, you know, the ability to do things at scale 
or to reach wider audiences or et cetera, et cetera. Like money is just the facilitator. It's the grease that gets us to the place we want to go. It's not the goal, but you're absolutely right. When we make it the goal, then there can never be enough, right? And sometimes money becomes an avatar for something else that's unhealthy, like approval or validation or power. And we start to see the money that we have as symbols of those things. And if we have some reason to crave validation in our lives and money becomes the substitute for the father who never told us he was proud or, you know, the, the family who never valued what we do or becomes an, an avatar for the power we didn't have over our lives growing up or whatever it is, all of a sudden we can never have enough and it never satisfies those needs because the need was never the money. It was always the emotional state or the physical state or the psychological state that we were chasing and not the thing itself. So I hope everybody really listened to that one because for me, most often money means security and freedom. And that is because those are two things I absolutely lacked as a kid. Um, there was never any sense of long-term security in my family and we never had the freedom to do anything. And so for me, money often takes that shape in my head. It's not a relationship that I, I build purposefully. It just falls into place because that is the history of the way I've always understood money. And so that is the reason that when I see maybe our, our savings account start to dip or we have some big thing we have to do, like replace our water heater, or like I said before, somebody hit my car over the summer, we had to replace the car. So we pulled a lot out of savings for a down payment on a car. Um, when those things happen, I have this like internal clenching of my gut, this sense of like, oh God, there it goes and it's never going to come back. And if something bad happens, the money that was in there isn't going to be in there anymore, which signals danger to me. I don't actually want the money. I don't want to hold the cash in my hand and be a miser in a corner. I want the security and I want the safety and the freedom from those worries. And so make sure as we go about, you know, the weekend and kind of reflect on the conversations we've had this week, that you understand that the money is not the goal. Just like when somebody wants to buy a piece of your art, they don't want the clay or the paint or the ink. What they really want is the psychological, emotional state that they can only achieve when they see, look at, or share your art. So keep that in mind. So we have Jean and Carol with us today. I know Carol had her hand up for a while, so I want to snag her up first. Um, Nicole, and then before, we'll go to Jean. Before we do that, I just want to I just want to kind of respond to something you mentioned. I've heard you say a few times now that we had to dig into our savings to get something done. Uh, and, and just going back to a conversation I think we had yesterday where, where Jean was talking, or I can't remember who also mentioned it. Maybe it's redefining the word savings uh, and including some of the feel good that you, stuff that you just mentioned, like security, my security fund. Maybe part of it is a security fund. The other part is savings or whatever it is. Maybe just changing the, because that money is there for that in a way, right? Because thank God you had that money to pay for the car. Anyways, just a, just a thought that I had. 
when I talk. No, it's it's a really good point, Vassam. It's a really good point. And I know that on a like on an intellectual level, like that is the reason that savings account exists. We have a separate savings and investment account where, you know, other bigger money is at that we don't touch, but that still is one of those weird just psychological fights that I have to have with myself. Um because it, it just feels like when I see that number, I can breathe a sigh of relief. And so um, whenever that number goes down, I start to like, oh no, <laughs> get panicky. And you're right. I mean, if I, if I maybe start changing the way that I frame in my head, that may help me kind of combat um, some of those like deeper, the deeper connections I have to like some issues from my past. So I'm gonna give that a try and see if it helps a little bit, but the, the biggest thing I think is just recognizing where that comes from, that the feelings I have about what's happening are not the truth of what's happening. They're echoes of the past. So I got to keep that in mind as well. Um, so thanks for suggesting it. I'm going to, I'm going to give it a try and see how it works for me. So let's start with Carol and then we'll go to Jean. Um, before anybody answered, when you asked, uh, what is a healthy relationship with money? My answer would have been to not think about money. And then, and then everybody answered on kind of both sides of that. And then I'm like, all right, after hearing what's every, what everybody has said, I guess it's to not have to worry about money because at this point, I have to think about it because I have to learn about it. I have to learn how, what kind of, not just the relationship and attitude that I'm supposed to have about money. Well, I don't know if I should say supposed to, but anyway, um, but also um, to begrudgingly, I, I really, money has never been important to my husband and me. And to me, the, the real freedom is to not have to think about it. And I want to get to the point where I don't have to think about it. But before I can do that, I have to think about it. <laughs> I have to learn about it. So if that makes sense, thanks. It does, Carol. And I think that that's a really interesting point. Um, and, and I'm going to make an analogy really quick. I have a, a friend of mine, and we always kind of talk about trying to get ourselves to the place where we can hand over the parts of our business we don't enjoy doing so we can kind of outsource some of these things maybe it's email marketing or whatever it is wanting to be able to outsource those so we don't have to worry about them but we have to worry about them just enough to earn enough money so that we can afford to outsource those things and it's kind of exactly what you're talking about um and i think the difference there is exactly the difference between Matt and Becca this morning, the difference between leaning in and saying, okay, let me figure out this relationship, pay attention and learn here and just, you know, do what I can as opposed to, oh God, I have to pay attention to everything or the ship is going down. Like those are two entirely different energies um, that we kind of bring to the equation. So like you said, now you get to learn and that's thinking about money, but it's not obsessing about money, right? Or obsessing about it to the point where you now have, you no longer have peace. And that's kind of the big, like, tipping point, I think, that place we want to try to stand and hopefully not stand too far on either side. You know, the one other thing I would add is that when you talked about the positive and the negative thoughts about money, 
part of my fear is you see people that didn't have money, then they have it, then they either lose it all or they get an attitude or whatever. And then it makes me understand the negative about, you know, the approval, the validation, the power, the never enough, uh, the negative attitude about money, um, as opposed to freedom and security and safety, which is exactly what I want. And I guess I had a fear of the negative, you know, that negative part, um, changing into that negative person that I envision all people with money are. <laughs> That's, you know what I mean? And so it helped to differentiate what good and what not good. Ooh, Carol, that, that's so important that you said that just now. And I hope everybody was listening because money is often seen as an amplifier, um, which is in the same case as power, right? Power is an amplifier. And if you are the kind of person who will take whatever power you have and use it badly, then increased power is only going to increase the scope of your reach, right? Um, there's this really interesting quote by C.S. Lewis. I think it may be in the book Mere Christianity or it may be another book. I cannot remember off the top of my head. But he talked about the difference between Adolf Hitler and a normal guy. And a normal man may have all of the same cruel impulses to power or cruel impulses toward people, but he doesn't have the power to execute them. And the only difference is that one person was placed in a position where they have the kind of power to execute their impulses. And so if you are a generous person who wants to help others when they can, and you, you know, you're not uh, somebody who wants to lord their power over other people, then the chances that money is going to bring that in your life all on its own are like zero, right? There are other things that may twist us in that direction, other things like power dynamics and relationships and things like that. But for the most part, people who are generous are always generous because they have more to be generous with. And people who are tight-fisted tend to be tight-fisted whether they are wealthy or whether they have nothing. So um, I would just encourage you not to be afraid there and to try to combat some of those pictures you have in your head of, you know, what happens to people with money, because the people who lose money will never keep it. They were never going to keep it in the first place. They couldn't keep what they had. And it's a mindset issue. And the reason I know this is because that's the community I grew up in. Um, we, this is, okay, here's a touchy, a touchy subject, but it goes exactly with what you're just saying. Um, my sister was hit and killed when I was 10 years old, she was six, she was crossing the street in front of our house. My parents went to court with the woman who hit her. Um, she was unfortunately, she actually should not have been driving. Um, she didn't have the physical or the eyesight or anything left anymore to be able to be safely on the road. And my parents wanted her driver's license, that's it. They didn't want anything else from her, they just didn't want her driving anymore. So it was a extended battle in court and eventually she had better lawyers than we did and there was nothing we could do to get her license. So my parents settled on um, a settlement of about $300,000. Within two years, we were poor again. And it wasn't because my parents didn't necessarily make any good decisions, but they, they, they didn't make any good decisions. 
um, they did not have the kind of mindset that would have allowed them to take that and put it towards long-term uses and, and help keep us in a place where we would be stable. They made a lot of purchases. Um, they did a lot of other things. And so, of course, that result became that the money just flowed away and nobody built any buckets. <laughs> nobody built any buckets. And so it's this conversation and being able to change these mindset issues that we have and these deep core beliefs that we have and this relationship that we have that's going to allow us to be the kind of people who, not like we're holding on to it with our clenched fists, but we understand the management of it where to turn on a dam and where to shut off a flow and where to do the things. So um, just don't be afraid there, Miss Lady. Don't be afraid. You're on the path to becoming the person that has the relationship with money that you want to be. So don't let those fears stop. It's as much about learning though, because we sold the house and we had, we had $56,000 and it was like we were millionaires, you know, so similar to your parents' experience. We went to the bank. What do we do? What do we do with our money? You're supposed to invest. And so the, the bank person said, okay, put it in this fund and that fund and this fund. And it didn't allow for, we needed a fridge for the move for our new house. We needed, you know, washer, dryer, car, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so they go, whatever you do, don't put it in your house. Well, what ended up happening is we, the money all got siphoned away in being able to make house payments. Whereas if we had put it in the house, the house payment would have been lesser and we wouldn't have needed to keep withdrawing until it was all gone. So I've actually said before, if I had money, I wouldn't know what to do with it. So that's where I am right now. So it's about learning as much as it is about attitude. Like, okay, I get this, this bunch of money. What, what am I supposed to do? I don't know. I've never had money. So that. Yep. You're absolutely right. Which is why um, the thing that we're encouraging people and all the resources that are being shared in the Facebook group are so important because we need to learn how it works. How does it work? So um, for folks who are like, okay, we're dealing with these internal attitudes now, we're dealing with these blocks, um, what are the resources for learning? There have already been a lot of those posted in the Facebook group. Really encourage folks to go find those there because nobody in this group is a financial advisor and that's why we haven't given advice <laughs> of that type of sort. Um, so definitely go and look there. It's super, super encouraging. A lot of really fantastic resources. Um, Jean. Oh, Kat, go ahead. Yeah, I just, uh, while, while Carol was speaking and while you were responding, the, the thing that kept sort of blaring up into my brain uh, was really about, you know, like the resource and where do you start to really understand how to learn about it. And uh, I know I talk about Sue, uh, super ice quite a bit in this group um but she has a really fantastic uh course and if you're a member of super ice education uh you can go and and watch it and devour it and you know start that process um because the sort of the way she teaches is money does not inherently make you a bad person right like someone who's mean or tight-fisted or, or whatever uh money makes you more of who you are so sort of in line with what you were just talking about, Nicole. 
Um, but the the course that I'm referring to, uh, she has what's called uh, the the money wheel of misfortune. And really what it is, is based on, you know, how you work through the program, you discover like your natural tendencies with money and or abundance. Um, and when you're able to look at that sort of the same way you're able to look at um, like the hard numbers, like we were talking about yesterday and being able to look at the, the evidence, um, you're able to say, okay, look, I am typically tight fisted with money and I'm tight fisted with money because you start digging into like those, those childhood events that created that, that determination for you uh, and gives you ways to move through and to the other side of that to where like, okay, well, naturally my tendency is to hold on to everything. But then you realize that when you are holding on to everything and, you know, hoarding it versus having honor for it, then you can say, okay, this is how we start that flow again. And I, I think it's hugely powerful um, as, as, a, as a small course to take so that you can begin the process of learning how to develop honor with your relationship with money versus I'm just going to be a terrible person if I ever have money because all that's going to do is immediately push money away from you. It's going to respond to, no, I don't want that because I don't want to be a bad person. The assumption that I'm going to be a bad person is what is stopping that money from coming to you in the first place. Whew, good stuff. Yes, absolutely. For folks, um, if you are not part of that, of course, go check out Sue Bryce Education. Um, that's all of her stuff is worthwhile. So go have a look there. And I will say, you know, listening to Sue probably 10 years or so ago, maybe a little bit less, maybe a little bit less, maybe eight. I have no conception of time, guys. <laughs> um, in any case, was a really big kick for me. One particular thing she said, which was, you'll work at McDonald's and allow them to pay you $7.25 an hour, but you won't charge $7.25 an hour for your own business. Why are you doing this to yourself? And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> that was a really good point, damn it. But uh, yeah, so I definitely encourage folks to go check go check out that. What's the name of the course particularly, Kat? So they can, I mean, they need to go to Sue Rice Education, but what's the name of the course they can look it's for? It's the uh, Money Wheel of Misfortune, and I'll post a link to it in the Facebook group. Okay, awesome. All right, Jean, would love to hear from you this morning. Yeah, Kat was wandering through the woods with her Sue Rice bow and arrow and shot me in the butt with it, and I am so glad that she did. <laughs> I, I've loved I've really enjoyed her courses and I just love the way that she thinks and her personality is just so fun. You know, it makes it really fun to watch the courses. And uh, so I've really uh, enjoyed that. Um, I, and I, and I thank you Kat for, you know, pushing me in that direction. Um, I, I think it's fascinating as I'm listening uh, to everyone today, it, it, it occurred to me that, you know, our relationship with money um, throughout our lifespan really follows the um, <clears throat> the data, the knowledge model that we talked about a couple months ago, um, where you, you make this transition from data, information, knowledge, and wisdom. And what made me think of that was uh, listening to both Bassam and then uh, Carol uh, talk about these two uh, dichotomies of 
you know, Basam is saying that he's, you know, not really like stressed and worried about money. And, you know, Carol is trying really hard to not, not think about it or not worry about the money. And the reason I wanted to, I, I really came up today because I wanted to build on what Basam was saying, because I think it's so important that people, um, you know, I, I spent my, my whole working career, I spent 30 years just grinding away, terrified that I wasn't going to have enough money when I couldn't work anymore. And, you know, I, I I'm, I'm in a, uh, a good position because of decisions that I made a long time ago, you know, fair enough. I mean, I, uh, I definitely, uh, have benefited from, um, retiring from the military. Um, but that was a 25 year commitment that I had to stick with. And I think for me, where a lot of people look at money, uh, look at worry as it relates to money as a negative thing, I always viewed worry through the lens of drive. And I always found that it was that worry about not having enough money that drove me to professional development, to seek promotions, to improve myself, to put myself in positions where I could climb up that ladder. And I honestly don't think that I would have gone as far as I did if I did not have that drive. And that drive was rooted in a worry that I wasn't going to have enough money when I uh, couldn't work anymore. Now, having gone through that and then losing my job, losing that income and, and having, you know, in, in, in a time in my life where I felt like, you know, if, if I missed one paycheck, it was going to bankrupt me or feeling like if I, you know, took a demotion that it would completely change my life. Well, in this case, I, I lost everything. And for me, I think that as I settled into, okay, this is my life on just my retirement from the military, which is not really enough to live on in Northern Virginia. But if I had to, I know that I could go to, you know, Podunk, Kentucky, and I could live pretty good in some small town somewhere on my retirement and just sit around and, you know, grow a herb garden and watch the cars drive by. I can go to Columbia where my wife is from and live like a king. I mean, it's just incredible um, how far a dollar goes, you know, in Columbia. So we struggle in Northern Virginia, but Northern Virginia is where a lot of opportunity is. And so, you know, I, I guess what, what I'm trying to say is that I found that, I mean, Bassam, it's amazing how Bassam is kind of, he's, he's like my, my, my twin brother in Canadian, in, in Canada. Uh, but, you know, I, I feel the, I resonated with what he said because, because I no longer, like I've proven to myself, I, I have not had a regular nine to five job in three years. Is it three? Yeah, three years. And I've been okay. 
like I, I've made it work and I haven't really stressed because I know all the important stuff is covered. But if there's things that I want to do, well, I got to make money. Well, that's why I'm taking pictures. That's why I'm making videos. That's why I'm doing what I do. Except now I'm doing what I want to do and I'm doing what I enjoy doing and I'm doing it at the pace that I need to do it. And if I don't do it, I'm still going to eat and I still have a roof. And, and so my, my point is, is that we, you know, if, if you worry about worrying, then you're, you're going to have a lot of stress in your life. But if you view that worry as something that feeds drive to, to continue to improve yourself, to improve your position, I don't think that's necessarily a negative thing. But at the same time, know that when the time comes, you're going to be okay. You're going to figure it out. Um, just, you know, if you stick with the, the, a lot of the great advice and the systems that we've been talking about in this room all week and you, and you, and you learn about money and you educate yourself about money and you make good decisions, then when the time comes, you know, you're going to figure it out and it's going to be okay. Um, and so I, I just, that's just really what I wanted to, to, to add. I, I, I think Nicole, it's, it's, it's really, uh, amazing you know the point that you make about money uh, representing things that you lacked when you were growing up um, that's huge um, with both of us um, I, I can resonate with that for sure and I, I also wanted to say that I, when you were talking about your sister I just I mean that was a gut punch I, I'm I'm just I don't even know how you get past something like that and I think that says a lot about who you are and how your family, uh, you know, helps people and, and, and your compassion. And, and I'm sure that was a defining uh, moment for your family. And I'm just my, I'm just heartbroken to hear that story. I just, no one should have to go through something like that. It's just horrible. Uh, but anyway, thank you for letting me share. And this has been a great uh, conversation this week. So I've, uh, I, I hope, I hope everyone has gotten something out of it. I hope I've been able to contribute a little bit and I most certainly have gotten a lot out of this conversation this week. So I appreciate uh, giving this, uh, this space, Nicole, for this. I'm super glad to hear that, Gene. And I think, you know, you bring up an interesting point, which I think was kind of touched on a little bit by Matt and Becca um, early on, is that that difference between the worry and concern, right? Like understanding, okay, there's, th there's things I need to do that drive these decisions. And there's a difference, I think, between that and the obsession that starts stealing the joy out of our lives so that it becomes something that um, just the relationship itself becomes negative. And I think you're right. You know, there's a, a difference between allowing that energy to be a motivating factor where we go, okay, eventually at some point, I want to be able to do this thing. So let me make sure I'm in a position that I can do it versus you know, the, the, the constant struggle that, that gives you anxiety. And like, like I said, it kind of steals your joy and you can no longer enjoy the things you're doing because they don't mean anything except how do I get to this point? Um, and so I think there's definitely something to be said there about paying attention to that balance and then how we frame that in our minds and making sure that, because I mean, for many of us, the worry will never actually be completely gone. It's not something that just disappears, but it's definitely something that we can reframe, that we can change the way that we relate to that worry so that it doesn't become that kind of gut-eating anxiety that turns money into a bad thing. It just becomes um, additional force in the stream that pushes 
you know, pushes us toward our goal. So Nicole, can I add, I, can I add one more thing? Um, yeah, please. I, so the, the other thing that I, that I was reminded of when you were talking about, um, your, your parents in the, in the court settlement, um, since, since it's virtually guaranteed that anyone who spends any time in this room listening to Nicole, Bassam, Becca, and Kat are going to become world famous and extremely wealthy uh, creators. Um, I, I, I think that one of the things that we probably really haven't even thought about this week that is going to be important for all the future wealthy, famous creators in this room is make sure you have a will. Um, that story that you told about your parents, you know, my, my grandmother in California was very wealthy. My mother and my aunt, uh, horrible with money. Uh, didn't, and my, my mother literally just lost her second house in a foreclosure last year. That's a whole nother story. But my grandmother, when, when she was getting into her, uh, mid seventies and she started to see how well I was doing in the stock market, which her, my, her third husband was a, was a big investor and that's how they made a lot of their money because he was really good with investments. And, um, I had learned a lot about investing and I was doing really well in the market. And we talked a lot about, about all that. Um, she made it very clear that she wanted me to take her money and put it, you know, into the, keep it in the market and keep it working and then make sure that the family was taken care of. We have a special needs cousin that lives in Los Angeles and there was always, she was always worried that he wouldn't be taken care of. And so this was a common thing. And my mother, who I have a horrible relationship with, that's a whole long story, but my mother and my aunt um, were not happy about the fact that my grandmother was going to leave this money to me because she wanted me to, to, to take care of it. However, um, she never did a will and she unexpectedly passed away at 76. And I'll never forget being marched down to the bank by my mother and my aunt, where my grandmother and I shared a safe deposit box because I, well, I needed to clear it out, but they wanted to see if there was a will uh, because she had not done a will. And the, and so what happened then is her entire estate went into probate. The state of California took about half of it and the rest was split between my mom and my, um, aunt. my mom got a settlement of about $1.2 million out of when it came out of probate. She immediately started flying first class everywhere. She took cruises. She gave a lot of it to my brother, which kind of fed his unhealthy relationship with money. I didn't take a dime. And if she gave any money to me, I just put it in the market because that's what Nana, we called her Nana. That's what Nana wanted us to do. So I just put it back in the market. Um, but at the end of the day, it took her probably five years and she was flat broke, completely flat broke. And she has nothing right now. And so, you know, I, I just, I think that's, it, it's also, you know, not just about making sure you have good, you know, decisions and you do good things with the windfalls when you get them. And for me, it's always put it in the market. Um, but 
once you know if, if you plan if you have plans on what you're going to do with your wealth you never know when the end is coming tomorrow's not promised so make sure you have a will make sure that you've documented what you want to happen uh, because because the state will take it <laughs> and so i just wanted to uh to make that point because that's something that a lot of us don't think about yeah that's very true gene and thanks for sharing that story and i hope i hope you know, folks really, if, if they have not done that yet, definitely get that in there. Uh, make sure that you put that on your list of things to do because it is really important. So pay attention. Sylvie, we'd love to hear from you as well this morning. Actually, I just wanted to know what the Facebook page was and I think I found it. So I'm all good guys. Oh, great. Okay. Glad to hear it. <laughs> all right. Jo. Really good information, by the way. I just want to say that uh, I'm, uh, yeah, trying to rectify my relationship with money and um this is all really good information especially as a female um good to know that uh you know i'm not alone out there trying to learn this oh most definitely not most definitely not um hey sylvie i know this was oh sorry i thought you were finishing go ahead no i was just gonna remind sylvie there's actually a facebook page and there's also a facebook group that's private which and the link to the group is up on top if you want to if you haven't joined that Okay, the one that I joined has got like this iron forage thing. Is that the one? Well, one is a private group that you have, that you have, to, that we have to accept you. So you have to kind of. I think I already accepted her. Okay, great. Yeah, I think that's the one I joined. Thanks, guys. Yay! Welcome, Sylvie. All right. So, this has been a pretty fantastic conversation already, and I want to make sure that I touch on a few of the other points that I would like folks to keep in mind and write these things down for yourself if you want to be moving forward. And I really encourage you guys, getting together here in the morning is a big deal. It's motivating, we learn a lot, all of that stuff. But if you don't start taking any of this and putting it into practice, then you are really, really missing out on the entire purpose of these conversations because these are actionable things. So here are a few things that I want you to take action on, okay? We started today by talking about what a healthy relationship with money might look like for us as individuals. Make sure that you do that work and ask yourself what a healthy relationship would look like to you. This is the same thing as defining success before you engage in the endeavor, right? So define that for yourself. Set some goals. What do you need to be doing or earning? Do you need to become a better salesman? Do you need to be earning this much money? Whatever that happens to be. Do you need to be paying down your debt? Do you need to, what is it that you need to do? What are your goals for the money that you're going to be earning? And how much does that need to be? Make sure that you're thinking about that. Then get educated. Some of the resources have already been shared in the group. Um, there's a lot of folks here who are really incredible. Um, ask your questions in the Facebook group. Let that be a, a place where we can really engage and, and get access to that content that helps us understand the way that money works. This is important. And then I want you to schedule money dates with yourself. So I want you to actually put this in your calendar. This isn't something that you can push off either. You need to leave that date there don't schedule a client session there don't like that is really time for you to sit down to check in with yourself 
to look at your accounts, to look at your progress, to see where your money's being spent. It doesn't have to be a long one, okay? It can just be 20 minutes, it can be 15 minutes, but that is a time you really need to set aside to look at what you're doing, to see if you're on track. Are you moving toward those goals that you're set for yourself? And are you still progressing in making that healthy relationship work for you, okay? And then build yourself a framework. Um, think about where your money is at and then what you've been educated on so far and where it needs to be. It's a great thing to have your catastrophic savings, right? That savings that's there just in case something happens and you need to be able to do something about it. You need to be able to replace your refrigerator, um, get a car, do whatever. That savings is there. You need a retirement savings, right? You need something that you're putting away for the long term. Maybe if something happens and you can't work anymore or whatever it is, you need that too. You need investments. They're just different things, frameworks that you need to build and see what you can automate. So if you can automate every time you get paid, 10% of that goes first into your savings account. Um, you know, look at that. Many of us have our bills automated, right? So we don't even have to worry about paying the water bill or um, our electricity bill, a gas bill, whatever it is, those things just automatically come out. How much can we do that with? And if we have subscriptions, as Jean mentioned, this is a really handy thing to be able to do. Understand the fact that almost always paying for a year in advance is cheaper than paying monthly. So what can you automate to set aside now so that when that payment comes up, you can just pay it and you're not losing that extra money. So keep those things in mind as we start moving into the weekend. I'm going to say goodbye to my husband really quickly. Give me a second. Chat amongst. I want to know you guys about setting up a structure for taxes for business. And if there's any reference um, about that in Facebook, because um, we have never, I know that we don't claim what we should claim. And now that I'm starting a business, it's even more important. So that's any really a, a question that, that you should probably have with an, uh, an accountant um, and or an attorney. Um, and there are several, several reasons. Um, but yeah, that's... Uh, that's definitely something you should be looking for is just speaking with a CPA and, uh, and a lawyer that's perhaps local to you that can kind of help walk you through based on your current situation and where you I was going to say that the, the hardest thing for me was, was to start spending money on an accountant, but I, 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 can't, I can't even emphasize how valuable I think that is. Um, it's probably four or $500 a year is what I spend, which really isn't that much. And he keeps my taxes straight and I don't have to worry about it. Yeah, I, I just want to echo what Kat said. Um, we could obviously put up some broad advice, but the problem is each thing is going to be different depending on the town that you live in, the state that you live in, and the country that you live in. So those things really do need to be um, specific to those areas because sales tax you need to gather will be different and um, the income tax, you know, laws will be different and all of those things. So um, absolutely encourage you to do exactly what, oh, what Kat and Jean said and, um, and find an accountant that you can talk to because that's, that's going to make a, 
a big, big difference. They're going to give you that advice on what can be, um, how much you'll need to be saving, what can be deducted, all that good stuff. Um, Ari raised his hand, so I know he's What we could do, uh, one sentence, I promise. What we could do is do a session on how to choose that person because that's a real issue and a source of real anxiety, not ruminated anxiety, but based on, you know, horrible situations that people have found themselves by not taking the right, you know, professional financial services people to be around them. And we could talk about a framework of how to, um, you know, what you need to know and, and think about to evaluate if someone is trustworthy and doing the right, you know, working to the needs of, that you have. Yeah, Please. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, Ari. Let's, uh, I'm going to make a note so we add that to our business. No, no, I was just going to totally agree because, you know, it, it's, uh, it's, it's, we always want the answer, but the worst part is we don't know what questions to ask. So when Ari, Ari, Eric talks about a structure, it, it's really what questions do I need to ask to be able to either choose somebody or when I choose somebody, you know, am I educated enough to know what to ask or what to what, what? And, and also, and also, what controls to have in your own life and business to prevent you know you getting in trouble and scammed as well? It's all part of the same. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I'm going to make a note and make sure we add that to um, the business section so that that is something that we cover. Yeah, this is a totally foreign world. It's like speaking a different language for me. How do I? I don't know anybody like that. You know, <laughs> so thanks. For sure. Absolutely. All right, guys. So make sure if you were taking notes, go do that stuff. Look at what a healthy relationship is. Define that success for you. Set goals. Get educated. Make sure that you're checking in with yourself. Schedule those dates on your calendar. Put a reminder on your phone or your watch or whatever that you use. Build a framework so that you can actually see those goals start to come to life. Automate what you can so you don't have to worry about it or thinking about it. It just becomes something that happens all on its own. And next week, we are going to start getting into the framework of business, of how we need to be setting these things up, of what we need to be keeping in mind. Um, I have a whole slew of notes for what that structure is going to look like. So by the end of the year, guys, we want to be able to have a really solid understanding of how to put together a business that is going to work for us or how to alter our current business structure so that it does work for us. That way, when we go into the new year, not only do we feel super confident in what we've built and in our ability to start making those systems work, but we have a really fantastic resource to begin referring folks back to for when we discuss business. If it's something they have not dived into yet, we will be able to say, hey, go back, check out this module. Um, you know, here is our discussions on business building from the ground up. Um, and hopefully that'll be something we'll be able to share with folks as well and point them towards those things. So if you know somebody who needs to get a good understanding of what building a business centered around the creative field, art or photography or whatever, if you need, if you know people who need that information, Please, please, guys, can you share this with them? Let them know that we're here. Let them know that we're going to be doing this so that they come and they can get this information firsthand. Of course, they'll be able to access the recordings when everything is done, but they won't be able to ask questions that are specific to their situation, which means other people like them who need that information aren't going to get it. So the more we can dive in, the better. So let folks know that we're here. If you haven't joined the Facebook group yet, please go up, click on that, come share your resources, share your knowledge with each other. 
Um, this, this really is about all of us growing together. And just as a reminder, we do still have mentor sessions um, open. So if you want to be able to talk to Kat about business and get access to that brilliant brain of hers, um, you can do that on theartistforge.com. If you want to get with Bassam on posing and lighting for maternity or other things like that, he is there. Becca is letting folks know how they can get better in Photoshop and in the production stage of um, how to build these stories. If you want to know more about storytelling or visual literacy, if you want to get your portfolio reviewed, you can come and chat with me. So please go check out theartistforge.com. Bassam has a really fantastic article up right now about um, non-negotiables and that's absolutely something that you can bring into your money um, relationship as well like paying yourself first and putting money in savings should be a non-negotiable so go have a read of that fantastic article and have an amazing weekend guys go have fun relax do something amazing and hopefully we will see everybody back here bright and early on monday morning at 7 a.m mountain standard time that is 6 a.m for well, it's not standard time anymore, is it? It's daylight time. Disgusting. Um, so we'll see everybody at 7 a.m. Mountain time. That is 6 a.m. for the West Coast, 9 a.m. for the East Coast afternoon for our friends overseas. Have a great day. Go make something amazing. Thanks again for listening to this live Clubhouse discussion moderated by all of us at The Artist Forge. We hope you found the information useful and that it helps you gain a little bit of insight as to how you work on your craft. For more episodes, please join us each weekday on Clubhouse or visit theartistforge.com. Now go make something incredible.